Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. This is Brad Shattuck, your host. And today's title episode is Anadonia. Oh God, Anadonia. Has everybody even heard of that? Sounds almost like a country. Hey, I'm from Anadonia. <laughs> but it's um, actually Anhedonia. It's A-N-H-E-D-O-N-I-A if anybody wants to look it up online. And Anadonia is actually um, a Greek word. Um, the word A-N-H-A-N is um, Greek to uh, means without and hanadone is Greek for pleasure so it means without pleasure so anadonia is pretty much the inability to get any pleasure reward out of things that you used to do could be simple things like painting, hiking, biking uh, bingo, hanging out with friends Um, could be the most um, um, you know Things like, you know, that cost a lot of money going skiing. Skiing is very expensive to something simple. Like, if you got pleasure and reward out of going for a walk. You know, if that was your thing, like, everybody knew you. Like, you always went for your one-mile walk every day. And that just seems like a task. Like, like walking through mud. Like, almost like like it hurts to even think about it. It's, it's that. When the simplest things you just can't do or get any pleasure out of anymore. And it, uh, the reason I'm touching on that subject is um, my wife, as you all know, has BPD, and uh, she's going through anatonia right now. And anatonia, um, it affects people a lot more that have really, really deep, deep depression, very heavy depression, and people with personality disorders and schizophrenia. It seems to touch on those people a lot more, um, but a lot more, actually, with people disorders and schizophrenia so I'm going to touch on the subject about what I've learned about it um, what I've seen what I personally have observed and um, try to offer some of my personal suggestions on you know what I've gathered up so with that being said thank you again for listening and let's get on with the episode Thank you for listening to Living in Third Degree with BPD. Again, this is Brad Shattuck, your host. And like I mentioned, today's episode is about anhedonia. Now again, anhedonia is a very weird word. I've never heard of it. And like I was joking, saying it sounds almost like a country. You know, I'm from anhedonia. (laughs) But it's A-N-H-E-D-O-N-I-A. If anybody wants to go online, which I will suggest in here to go online and listen to some podcasts or uh, YouTube videos, anything that has to do with anhedonia, whether it's what is it, um, what are the possible solutions, um, anything that's connected with anhedonia, just like I had done. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, prime you up a little bit and give you some of the, you know, basics of what I've learned. And the reason I'm touching on this is two reasons. Number one, number one, the very main reason is, um, as you all know, my wife has BPD and she's experiencing anhedonia at the moment she has not overcome it yet and um the reason i uh, found out she has it was 
by talking to my own counselor. I, you know, said she has this feeling of, you know, she doesn't have any interest in things she used to do before. She used to love, um, even, you know, those coloring books, adult coloring books, she used to do those all the time, especially the ones with words that would say, like, you know, my life is meaningful, um, you know, dance in the rain, stuff like that. She used to love doing those. She would do hundreds of them all the time. You know, be watching TV and she was doing them. And I never was jealous about that, especially when we spent time together. That was something that gave her added pleasure. You know, that was the thing. Watch a movie, and while we're watching it, she does that. And she would pay attention to the movie. It was just she loved drawing, and that gave her a lot of reward and pleasure. Now, she hasn't been doing it at all. Anything that we did in the past, you know, we, we live right on the beach, right on, on the beach in New Hampshire. And um, uh, literally where our condo is, we could literally throw a baseball and it would land in the sand. And I can, you know, see the Atlantic Ocean from our, our uh, balcony. And we've been out on the, the beach maybe four times in the past five months. And even though it's, you know, we get some days, it's, it's always chilly up there. Even in the summer when it's 80 inland, it's probably like, you know, 70 or 65 on the coast. It's always a little chillier and it's usually like 20, 30 degrees chillier. But even right now, on days where it's you could just, you know, wear a hat and a jacket and just take a walk down the coast, we don't even do that anymore. That even like that is a task. I'm like, what is going on? And uh, she kept giving me this feeling of, you know, I'm hollow. I just feel empty. I don't want to do anything. I just I don't enjoy anything. And um, it even affects sex. They have no, you know, the libido is low. They don't have any need for physical or mental. Um, intimacy, and um, I'm like, what is going, you know, at first I thought, is it something with me, are you bored with me, and, you know, she was like, no, it's not you, I just don't feel like doing anything, and she would cry on my shoulder, and I'd hug her, and I said, you know, I'll support you, I'm not going to leave you, you know, because she's like, I'm just bored, boring to be around, I don't want to do anything, and it's fine, you know, if you're going through something, I'll let you go through it, but rather than just letting it go, like I said, I started looking online um, under, you know, the words like, you know, uh, feel hollow, feel empty, and um, I really couldn't come up with anything. And then finally I talked to my counselor, and he said, try looking up the word anhedonia and see if, you know, ask her to um, look at the symptoms and see if she falls in those categories, and then try to look up, you know, things that you can do to get over it. But of course, that's not her counselor, so he can't give too much advice, but I told him, I said, this is something for me because if she's depressed I get depressed if she's hurting I'm hurting so any advice you can give me to help her will help me and he understands that so anyways when I got out of his office I immediately went on YouTube and I typed in anhedonia and started learning what it is how it's caused um, you know how it affects people um, you know what can you do about it and etc etc and finally I was like oh my god she's got anhedonia so when I got home I said hey I've got some good news so I explained it to her and of course her biggest thing was she was very glad that I love and care about her enough that rather than just saying you know this is something you know her problem something to do you know that she has to figure out I'm helping her figure it out so we looked at anhedonia and um, of course I'd never heard of the word. And I've talked to about 10 people. <laughs> They'd never heard of this word. Um, I even talked to, I have another counselor for something else, and, um, he, you know, he's heard of it, but he's never discussed it with anybody. He goes, wow, I don't think I've heard that word since I was in college. <laughs> but, you know, it's a very, it's a very serious thing to get. And seeing what my wife is going through, it killed me. And I've cried many times, and I've, gone up and in tears and given her a hug and she's like what's wrong and I said it's not what's wrong with me it's what's wrong with you I don't know what to do for you I said it hurts and it kills me to see you going through this and I I don't know what to do I I, I, I can listen to her I can try I can give suggestions but it's ultimately up to her to you know take the suggestions and do something about it and also you know we can't dismiss the severity of it we can't dismiss that it's not real um, we can't just say hey you're going through a, a lull you know it's not our right to dismiss what somebody else is feeling 
and of course you know we also shouldn't self-diagnose and that's why I had talked to a mental health professional first and got some ideas and um, she's also talked to a mental health counselor and I was in the room with her and I was very kind of upset um, the way her mental health counselor or actually it's her medical doctor um, psychiatrist had advised her you know you, you just got to push through it you know you just got to do the things you know these things that you don't get pleasure from you just got to force yourself to do it just just get through it mind over matter I was like that's all you're gonna say that's all you're gonna say she never gave her anything to look online nothing my counselor was the one who said it sounds like she might be going through anhedonia and told me you know go online and look about it he gave me more suggestions than he gave her so that gave me the inability uh, it gave me the the ability to go online and look up this stuff now she had gone in there by herself and just came out she would have been shaking her head like just push through it you know didn't tell her you know it could be anhedonia go online and look at it read about it. nothing I was like really pissed off you know that was like like it just you know, like telling somebody, just do it, just do it. You gotta just do it. You know, didn't give her anything further to read about, look or nothing. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that my counselor gave me some advice. And even if he didn't, I would have been further checking online. But at least he gave me the word Hanatonia, which, you know, I went online and got the proper information. But anyways, so I've taken a bunch of notes down here. And these notes are... Um, things that I've gathered um, from looking online, reading, um, listening. I've listened to um, a lot of YouTube videos. Um, a lot of times I don't watch them so much. I put them on and listen to them like when I'm driving. Um, but the good thing with watching them is, is they'll have like usually, you know, avoiding the background with keywords and stuff. But a lot of times I can get just as much out of it by listening. But I've also... Um, one, two, three, I think probably about five different, actually no, actually about eight different podcasts. One's just on mental health, one's on depression, uh, there's a couple that are BPD, and one or two with schizophrenia, one with personality disorders. You know, they're all in different areas, but they all touch on anhedonia, whether it was, um, you know, I typed in the keywords, and it's, uh, they've had some podcasts that were specifically, uh, episodes that were specifically on anhedonia, and then there was a couple, it just like kind of touched on the subject. It didn't go into detail. So I tried gathering as much education as I could, um, obviously to help my wife, but at the same time to help my fans as well. So anyways, I went over Anadonia, you know, the Greek word, but basically it's the inability to get pleasure or reward out of hobbies or things that you used to do. You know, for example, um, like my wife, she used to love drawing. She don't draw anymore. Because she gets, you know, we only do things because we get reward from it. Unless we have to, you know, like working. If we're told we have to do something, you're doing it because you have to. But in our free time, we only do things because, you know, I mean, obviously we work, we have to eat. But what do we do? We eat something that gives us reward. We enjoy it. So we have to eat, but we eat things that we like, that give us reward. You know, wow, this tastes really good. You know, if you're, you know, you're a big fan of uh, certain meats or sides, so you have to do it, but you do what you get the reward from. Um, you know, but it's, it's anything. Painting, biking, hiking, um, uh, you know, running, exercising, weekly gathering with friends. Anything that gave you any kind of pleasure reward, now it seems to do nothing at all. It almost seems like a chore or a bother just to even think about it. And, you know, it ruins a lot of friendships um, uh, with family, friends, co-workers, and even, you know, um, relationships with significant others. Because, you know, if it's not a strong relationship, a lot of people are going to say, you know, there's ought to be something to do with me. You don't want to do anything with me anymore. You know, so they walk away from it. I would never do that, but and a lot, I'm sure a lot of other people wouldn't do it either. Um, but the first thing you do is... You know, the person on the other end, you know, kind of, first thing you say is, you don't want to do anything with me anymore. Is it me? You don't want to be with me? You don't want to, you know, do anything with me anymore. We used to jog together. We don't jog together. We don't exercise together. We don't go for walks together. We used to go to Bingo every week. We don't do that anymore. Is it me? You don't want to do anything with me or what? So, it does ruin a lot of relationships. It's, it's, it's very damaging. 
um, and it can permanently damage relationships. Um, you know, somebody's not going to say, hey, you know, I, I get interested in those things now. Can you come back to me? Because, you know, usually that doesn't work. So it's very damaging. It can be permanently damaging. Um, now, the thing is, there's diff people that have different feelings. You know, what I just said was, yeah, you don't get any pleasure or reward out of things anymore. But what are the actual, you know, symptoms? in uh, people, like my wife, she expressed it as she just feels hollow, empty. She has, like, no feeling inside. And that that's one of the problems with people with BPD. Because, you know, usually most of them do self-harm in any disorder where self-harm is part of the, um, the disorder. If they have no feeling, a lot of people will do something to get feeling. So they self-harm. You know, if they feel they have no feeling, like couple times it really bothered me my wife kind of like slapped herself in the face and she's like I don't feel anything you know I have to slap myself in the face to actually feel something so some people will cut or they'll pick you know to get some kind of feeling um, a couple of actually there's about four different things I listened to and they reported that some people um, do death-defying things like one guy started skydiving because that was way the only way he could get any kind of uh, feeling it was like a rush and because other than that his life didn't provide him with anything one person um, was racing downhill skiing which is dangerous and um, she was very um, I think she was like a beginner skier but she immediately wanted to learn how to down fast downhill race skiing and um, at one point I think it said that she had ended up breaking her leg in multiple places and um, damaged her spine but it was because she was trying to do, you know, something where she got feeling. Um, what was the other one? Oh, another guy, he did rock climbing. Because you get that, you know, that um, fear, excitement feeling. Um, and he was, the rock climbing he was doing was really dangerous. Like, if you're going to fall, you're going to die. Um, yeah, they have safety um, ropes and stuff like that. But still, you know, you still have a very high chance of dying. So, that's where it becomes dangerous. Some people... You know, they think, what is it? They're going through a midnight crisis? Like, you know, all of a sudden, they don't do bowling or jogging or exercise anymore, but now they're doing mountain climbing or, you know, stuff like that. People don't understand what other people are going through. They may not doing it because they're going through a midlife crisis or they're trying to get attention or anything. They're doing it because we all want feeling. We all want feeling from something. You know, if we put on a massager, you know, we want to feel that massaging good feeling. Or if we go get a massage, it's because we want that good feeling. Um, you go in a pool, you know, you, you get that pleasure. Anything we do, we do because there's some kind of reward or pleasure to it. And some people have to do the most unbelievable things to get pleasure out of it. So don't always judge somebody when they're <laughs> trying to do something new. But anything, uh, anyways, um, let me see, what else did I put down here? Yeah, sometimes it can be the simplest things. You know, like me, I'm a very simple person. Um, some people get pleasure out of just watching TV shows or sitting down having a coffee reading the newspaper um, or, or having a coffee and reading a book. Some people get pleasure out of that. You know, we may say, oh my God, that's boring. How can you get pleasure out of that? Don't judge anybody. Everybody gets pleasure out of something. Just like some people, they can read books. My, my stepdad, he can read an entire novel like in one day. So somebody can get pleasure out of something that we think is completely boring so again you can't judge anybody but those simple things like when I used to go through deep depression that's one thing I didn't do is I would shut my TV off and just lay there and stare at the TV screen uh, shows that I used to watch um, I went through different stages I used to watch um, um, a lot of uh, educational shows like um, Mysteries at the Museum um, where they you know, you, they, they teach a lot about these um, artifacts and the, and the history and stories behind them or these uh, fact or fiction shows, um, stories about history, about cults, um, presidents, stuff like that. I've got a lot of things that I, uh, I love self-learning, so I watched a lot of, you know, these learning shows. And at one point, I didn't get pleasure out of that, so I started watching... Um, stuff about aliens and UFOs and then I stopped getting pleasure out of that so I started watching paranormal stuff and then I started watching stuff about murders and how people try to get away with things and all these clues that detectives look for so when I do but that was the thing I 
at least had the knowledge and the will. When I didn't get pleasure out of one thing, I started getting a new subject. And when I didn't get pleasure out of that, I jumped to a new subject. So at least some people have the ability to be able to jump to the next thing and know, hey, I'm not getting pleasure from this, and they replace with something else. People that have anatonia don't have that strength. They don't have that ability. When they don't have uh, pleasure in something, they don't try to replace it with something else. They just, as they lose pleasure, they lose pleasure in everything. And then they lay there like a bump on a log. So, um, you know, and then I was almost wondering, I said, you know, anhedonia almost seems like deep depression. So I was wondering, is this just another name for depression? Or, you know, just like before they used to diagnose people with major depression, and they started, you know, renaming it bipolar and... Um, so anyway, so I typed in what's the difference between depression and anhedonia. And it actually says that, because um, some people ask if anhedonia is the same as depression, but actually it's the core feature of depression. It's a multifaceted symptom that includes symptoms that um, uh, include deficits in the experience of pleasure, um, reduced approach related um, to motivation, you know, the behavior um, is impaired about learning about the rewards in their environment. You know, so how do you know if you actually have anhedonia? So it was saying that some of the symptoms are social withdrawal, diminished pleasure derived from daily activities or any activities that you like. Uh, number three, the lack of relationships or withdrawal from previous relationships. Four, Less interest in previous hobbies. Number five, a loss of libido or lack of interest in mental and or physical intimacy. So then I started typing in and saying, what are the causes of anhedonia? Like, how do people get this? Because, like, my wife didn't really have major symptoms of BPD until, like, 2010, 2012, around there. So, since then... She's never had any symptoms of anhedonia. And she was like me. If she lost interest in one thing, she picked up something else. So I, I typed in, what are the causes of anhedonia? It says, commonly, um, it's seen in people with major depressive disorder. So obviously, because like I said, it's a, it's a facet of uh, depression. So it's seen in people with major depressive disorders or traumatic and stressful events. Personality traits such as uh, permissive or self-criticism. And having a blood relative with a history of depression, bipolar, alcoholism, suicide, or other mental health disorders. But a high majority is placed on people with schizophrenia, personality disorders such as BPD. So certain people with certain disorders are most likely to get this. You know, just like with anything. You know, if you're, you know, um, oh God, I'm trying to use like an analogy here, but... You know, um, just like some people, when they get cancer in one spot, it spreads to another. So if you have, you know, cancer of the lungs, you're more susceptible to get it somewhere else. Or, you know, some people that have, um, you know, like I did. I used to have strep throat all the time. Oh, my God, going through school. I was, anytime I was sick, it was because of strep throat. I always had a sore throat, sore throat. So because of that, I had problems with my adenoids. And then I had a lot of... Uh, nasal issues, uh, runny nose all the time, and this and that, a lot of, so anyways, so because ear, 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 nose, and throat problems all kind of run hand in hand, I had my tonsils and my adenoids removed, I don't have strep throats anymore, well, obviously you don't have strep throat, but I don't have sore throats anymore, I don't have the problems with the nasal, you know, so I'm just trying to kind of put an analogy there, if that makes sense to you, but on the medicinal side of anhedonia, is that we have the Mobility to raise above our uh, dopamine. We have the ability to raise our dopamine, but like I said, the medicinal side of anhedonium is because we have the ability, but when somebody has anhedonia, they have the inability to raise their dopamine. Our natural, which dopamine is a natural drug that is raised that gives us pleasure and reward. Everyone has different ways of how we raise our dopamine. Um, the dopamine levels that give us pleasure and reward, you know, like um, bowling, hanging out with friends, painting, hanging out with grandkids, um, playing sports, watching sports, exercising. And exercising actually is the most 
effective and biggest way to raise dopamine that's you know other ways are kind of mental like you know if you mentally watch if you watch a funny movie you know it's going to raise your dopamine because you're laughing it makes you feel good um you know you can watch a sports game and that's mentally raising your dopamine you know when you're watching something uh, but exercise you're physically raising your dopamine and that's the most effective and biggest way to raise it and raise it in high levels that's why a lot of times if you ever heard somebody say about a runner's high they literally get a runner's high because they get such a high dose of dopamine that it's almost like a high you're getting dopamine is a drug it's a drug within us that gives us pleasure and um you know a lot of people that jog and run you know you wonder you're like wow you know what you know, this person looks like in really good shape. Why are they running? Why are they jogging? And I used to have a boss, and uh, his wife used to run and jog all the time. And I asked her, I said, I've always wondered, what do you get out of jogging? She said, well, it keeps me in shape. But she said, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel real. There's nothing that makes me feel good like jogging. And I asked her, I said, do you get that runner's high? She said, absolutely. She said, it's, it's unreal. It's like a drug. Like, I go out there and run, and I feel so good. And she used to actually tell me that. After running, her libido was actually high. That the most time that she always wanted to have sex was after she would go jogging. So I used to joke after that when she'd go jogging. I told my boss, I said, well, you better go home and get ready because you're probably going to get it. <laughs> but it, it's true because um, dopamine is a pleasure drug. So that's, it all makes sense. So that's why they say a lot of times when you're depressed, they tell you to exercise. And that's the reason. I wish... Now, a lot of people don't get into, you know, the depths of it. They just say, exercise and helps depression. Well, why does it help? Because it raises dopamine. Dopamine is a drug. It's, you know, a pleasure drug. If you explained it a little bit more, it would make more sense and go, oh, wow. You know, because you can actually, I mean, if I told you, hey, you know, go in the corner and you can buy a little bit of dopamine from the sky, swallow it and you'll feel good, you know, you know, 50 bucks or for free, you can jog down the street and get the same feeling. You know what I mean? It is. It's an actual drug that makes us feel good. And that's why a lot of drug addicts and alcoholics, they, um, you know, we already have dopamine that we put out, but when you do drugs or alcohol, it raises it even more. So that's why we get hooked on drugs and alcohol because now we're getting a super dose of um, dopamine without running or having to do anything. We just take the drug and now we get a super dose of dopamine and we feel really good. But the problem after a while is... Your body is very smart. When you produce something artificially or put it in your body artificially, your body stops producing it. So if you're getting your high through drugs or alcohol, your body stops producing dopamine. And what happens is when your body stops producing the dopamine, now you're getting it through artificially. So when you stop doing the drugs or alcohol, guess what? Now, all of a sudden... You, you don't have any dopamine being produced, whether it being, you know, artificially or through your body. So you get very depressed. That's why a lot of people, when they stop doing alcohol or drugs for like a week or sometimes longer, but the first week, they're very tired, depressed. They don't want to do anything. That's because they're not getting their fix artificially and their body's not producing dopamine. So now they have nothing for pleasure or reward. So that's why they go into such a deep depression. And again, I never knew that until I started learning um, about the through drugs and alcohol um, recovery. And, you know, it, somebody should go into depth about it and realize it. It's not just going through it. It's understanding exactly why. So it made more sense. Oh, okay. So that's why our body would stop producing it because you're getting it artificially. Anything you get artificially, your body doesn't produce anymore. And it takes a while for your body to start saying, hey, where's the dopamine? Oh, it's not coming anymore? Okay, now I need to produce it. So it takes a while for your body to start getting back up to normal. So that's why after, you know, a while, when people get out of, you know, rehab, it takes like about a month. And that's why they have rehab for 28 days. So once they get out of rehab, they start feeling a lot better because now their body is producing the dopamine naturally and they're not getting it artificially. So, um, let me see, what else do I have here? Okay, yeah, so now... When you know anhedonia is the problem and it's left untreated, it can ruin relationships, family relationships, love relationships with your significant other, you know, with, with friends, co-workers, anything. 
you know, like I said, because now you're not sharing common interests. You're not doing the things you used to do with them before because they don't cause, you know, pleasure. Um, they don't give you any satisfaction. So you don't do them anymore. So these people think you don't want to be around them anymore. There's no shared interest. And so now you're losing these relationships that, you know, you had because you had common interests with these people. But the biggest thing is, is the love relationships. Those are the ones that hurt the worst. So like I said, it, it, it hurts relationships, especially with, when it's a loving relationship. There's so many factors in that relationship. It ruins, you know, common interests, common um, activities. You know, if you used to bike together, run together, exercise together, go to bingo together, draw together, paint together, anything. If you had common interests and hobbies, now you don't have those things. And then especially intimacy. You know, when you don't have that libido and that interest in the intimacy, you know, the whole relationship just goes downhill. Hopefully you have somebody that, you know, um, can wait and understand it. Uh, but, you know, when they say take bits and pieces, you know, like if you painted, you know, big pictures, you know, get a smaller canvas and, you know, just do brick cards, just do little bits. You know, do a tiny canvas. You know, that's the worst thing you can do is overwhelm yourself. You know, you, if you, they say if you, you know, paint a big pictures before, don't worry about trying to paint a Picasso. Take in breadcrumbs. You know, get your, um, your, your, your feeling back on it. You know, and, and, you know, after a few tries, if it's still, you know, say, say, I'm just using paint as an example. Say after a few small canvases, it's not doing it. It's not bringing it back. Okay. <clears throat> then put that aside. Try some of the other things that you lost interest in. Try bits and pieces. You know, if you biked, say if you you rode, <coughs> let's say, you know, 10 miles a day. Go one or two miles and you know, a day. And just try little bits, you know, and you may bring it back. And then they also suggest try some new things. Maybe those new things will replace some of the old things. Or they might also start sparking and getting rid of the Amazonia and get the old interest back. But they say a lot of, you know, new things. Um, let me see, what else did I write? Yeah, the new things, um, you know, things that you, you know, you thought about, you know, in the past. Um, you know, one of the things you got to do is think outside the box, you know, um, to help overcome, you know, the sticky, icky, wasted disorder that you're going through right now. You know, think of things um, to do as an individual or, you know, um, you know, things you could do as a couple, you know, things that you didn't do before. Like me and my wife, like we started getting to the point where when we got back together six months ago, um, she literally lost everything. Uh, it's a long story. I think I got into it before, but uh, she had to leave her mother's house um, that was left to everybody in the family and it was sold and... Um, she wasn't given enough time and literally lost everything that was in the house, in the basement, in the uh, garage, around the yard. She lost everything she owned. Um, when we got back together, she had a backpack. Um, so, you know, we didn't have a lot of things to do together as a couple when we got back together. So we started doing some new things. And she said, you know, remember I said, you know, we went to bingo. We played bingo for about a month with a friend of ours way back in, my God, the early 90s. And um, we actually liked it. So I said, maybe we should try doing bingo again. And um, there was other things. Maybe we should try doing blank again. And maybe we should try, you know, blank. Or, you know, um, she, she, there was a few times she said, oh, my God, there's something maybe we should try. You know, try some new things, you know. If you're going to do things individually, but you can also think of things as couples. You know, what can you do as couples? Bowling, tennis, racquetball, handball, working out, jogging, hiking, biking, um, you know, you can do those things as, as couples, but you could also do those things as an individual, too. As a matter of fact, there was at one point, I, I used to love bowling. And um, at one point, when I had moved to a new area, I didn't have any friends, and I wasn't in a relationship. So I used to go bowling by myself, just to practice. And I had fun. I had fun doing it by myself. And then um, a guy had walked over and said, you know, I don't want to be noisy or anything, but I noticed you were bowling by yourself. Are you just practicing, or do you not have a teammate? And I said, no, I don't have a teammate. And he asked me if I wanted to, um, you know, show what I could do and maybe get on their league. And I did, but I just didn't want to get on the league. But, um, you know, it, at least it was offered to me. 
but um you know but like i said too especially if you're alone but even if not walking not only is physical but it raises your dopamine and um you know it allows you um you know especially if you're walking with somebody it also allows you the opportunity to have conversation and you know if you're doing it by yourself put your headphones on and look up on youtube or uh podcast get them ready anything about anhedonia so while you're walking doing an activity raising your dopamine you're also educating yourself so you're getting so many things done at once and you're helping yourself and not only that you could actually listen um, there's some information about your particular disorder, especially if you got BPD. There's a lot of podcasts about BPD. As a matter of fact, I used to go biking and walking um, on trails a lot when me and my wife had split up um, because of the fact I knew it raised your um, dopamine, and it did. I used to feel a lot better when I, especially when I went biking. But I put my podcast on and I'd listen um, to a podcast about BPD and how to uh, repair relationships. So not. Only was I exercising, doing something good for my body. I was raising my dopamine, and I was educating myself as well. So remember, <clears throat> it's not always about the event um, or the activity. It's about, you know, the reward. You know, sometimes you have to do a little bit of work uh, in order to get it. You know, nothing comes easy, nothing comes for free. You know, sometimes you, you got to do a little bit. You know, just like... If you want to, you know, get the most um, amount of dopamine and physically raise it and get the most amount of it, you have to do physical activity. So you have to work for it. But there's many ways to raise your dopamine. And if you can't find an activity or anything that interests you right now, the one thing you can do that will raise your dopamine is exercise. So that's what I would suggest. You know, you can sit here and say, well, I can think about a hundred different hobbies, but none of them seem interesting to me, okay? So if you can't find an activity or a hobby or something, or even an old one, to raise your dopamine to make you feel better, exercise. That's the one thing that's guaranteed that will raise your dopamine and give you reward and pleasure. That's the one thing. There's no doubt about it. Anybody that exercises will get a dopamine um, high in their body. You'll raise your dopamine you know, the harder, the faster you, you work, you'll get that runner's high in that dopamine level. So that's the one thing that's guaranteed. So while you're in that mood and you're raising dopamine, getting that reward, then you can start really honestly thinking about things that you could do. That's what I would do. You know, you go, always go for the guaranteed thing. The other thing I would suggest, and, and this, this is a proven method. Uh, it was a marketing genius um, years ago I used to listen to. And he always suggested, if you take a certain way to work all the time and a certain way home all the time, change it up. There's got to be a different route you could take, even if it adds only a few minutes of extra time. Now, particularly when it, where I used to work, I could take four different ways to work and four different ways home. Actually, four different ways to work, five different ways home. And only one way added on, I think, seven minutes of time. They were all pretty much about the same. So I took a suggestion and... I would take a different route each day. Now, the reason for that is, is you know how our subconscious mind always takes over and you can go from like one intersection to another uh, for like a half mile or a mile, sometimes even a few miles. You don't even remember. All of a sudden, you just drove like five miles and 10 minutes and you didn't even realize or remember driving that route. <laughs> you probably didn't remember the songs you heard because your mind, your subconscious mind took over. Well, the problem with that is, is you don't take notice of what's around you, especially when you're so familiar with a certain way. If you do it all the time, we're creatures of habit. So what happens is your subconscious mind is, you know, taking care of the driving home and you're not taking any notice to anything around you. Well, if you take a different way, obviously your subconscious mind doesn't take over. You're not used to the curves and the rows and the stop signs and, you know, the speed limit changes and so forth. So you're more alert. And not only that, you take more notice to what's around you. The houses, style of houses, businesses, advertising signs, and so forth like that. Well, when I had listened to him, this is more on the marketing business end of it, it would strike different marketing ideas. And it did. Like back when I was um, 
I was uh, an operations manager for a company. We had 32 locations, and um, I had, uh, what did I have, about 160 employees that I was in charge of, and uh, I worked in sales and marketing, and by taking these different routes, it would spark different ideas, ideas that I already had in my head, but they were kind of like dormant, and I would see something, and it would bring it out, and it would be the simplest little things, like a new style of a house, or because um, the guy had a pool in the front yard, anything like that, there would be certain things, and it would spark ideas for me, and it really worked. And I think the same way would work is if you're stuck in the state of Anadonia, is if you did jog, run, or bike before, or you're doing it now for the first time, take different ways each time. And if you did it before, don't take the same ways you did before. Take new ways. That way, you'll be more prone to not go to have your subconscious mind take over and you'll be more aware and alert and it'll spark different ideas and not only that it'll um it'll just it'll get your creative mind going and it'll make your mind work a lot better rather than kind of going on autopilot because when you're on autopilot you don't really do new thinking you don't absorb new stuff it's old stuff kind of like running on rewind so you want to take different ways and i honestly think that would be a really really good tactic to try it you know because um you know, I used to see new things like I'd see new restaurants, new bowling alleys, nightclubs. Um, and not only that, that might spark off things for you to do, you know, with yourself or by with your partner. You know, say, oh, I just went by and saw a new bowling alley. Uh, I saw a new nightclub. Oh, I saw a new restaurant. Maybe we should go there sometime. Now, there's one thing I would love to suggest. You, you could do this on your own, but... I would really suggest it if you're a couple, even if you're not going through an anhedonia. I had come across this when um, me and my wife weren't together. I used to go for a lot of walks, and I used to walk like downtown at nighttime, like midnight, 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'd look at different stores and look in the windows. <clears throat> and I went by this one place, and it was an art studio. And what it was was people, they would have um, like a picture, and that picture... Um, everybody would paint that night and it was a way for you to just paint for fun or as a hobby or learn how to paint. So what the person would do is everybody would be painting the same picture and they'd walk around and give you tips and hints, teach you how to blend pictures, teach you how to shade, um, teach you different things, you know, um, about techniques and how to hold the brush and everything like that. But the biggest thing was is they used to have these date nights and it would be for couples. And the pictures they would have would be these two pictures that you would each paint, but they would go together as one. Like there was one, it was an owl on a branch. And on one side it says, I love you to the moon. And on the other side it would say, and back. And on one side it had the branch with the owl. And on the other side it had the moon with the other half of the branch. So you both paint two separate pictures but when you put them together it's one and it was like four or five different pictures like that and it was it was new it was I liked the, the concept of it it was great so you're both painting these pictures and but you put them together as one so you're doing it separately but together at the same time it was an awesome concept I said wow that is really cool never heard of it never seen it ever never heard anybody talk about it so um I had suggested it to my wife I told her about this concept and you know she loves drawing and painting and she said, yeah, that'd be a really good idea. So we ended up forgetting about it over time. And um, just a couple of weeks ago, I saw an ad online. And um, I'm sorry, it was on TikTok. It was showing a couple and they were in uh, a place. So I looked online again to see if there's any around where we live now. And there is. And they actually have a couple's night. And what it is, it's date night. You go in with a couple and that's what it is. You can either uh, take the choice of two separate pictures or the two pictures that can be combined as one. And um, each night is a different theme. The one is um, together but individually, so it's two separate pictures, and then they have uh, together as one. And what they are is two separate pictures put together as one. And um, they offer a full bar, so you can either have you know, beer, wine, or drink with it. And it's a great night to get together, um, you know, kind of bond and have fun. And you can each have a glass of wine or, you know, a beer or um, a regular drink while you're doing it. And it, it's great. I think it's an awesome concept. It's a very calm, collective atmosphere, something 
you know, to sit there and do. And it's something that when you're done, you know, yeah, when you eat, you get the memories about it after you go bowling, you have the memories of it after. But it's something you can hang up and always remember that that night. I think it's a great concept. So I had asked my wife and, you know, I said, would you like to do that? We have, I found one locally in the area and told about the glass of wine and everything. She said, oh my God, yeah, that's right. So she agreed to do it. I think that would be excellent for somebody that's going through anhedonia to kind of rekindle your relationship and uh, bring yourself together. And I think it's it, it's great. Whether you painted or not before, I think it's an excellent, excellent idea. So if I was you, I would look it up online, um, you know, type in on Google something about um, uh, painting studio, couples, uh, beginners with wine, some kind of, you know, um, keywords like that. And I'm sure you'll find one in your area. I mean, there's four of them in our area within a 20-hour radius. So I'm sure you'll find one in your area. Um, you know, not everybody, you know, uh, everybody's an individual. You know, nobody has the right to say, you know, they know how you feel or compare their head clutter to yours. You know, anyone who is affected by anhedonia will get it slightly, you know, less or worse than others. Nobody can judge or say... You know, I've gotten over it, so you can too. Or, you know, they might have had it slightly and you have it worse. So don't take their words to heart. Just listen and even ask what they did um, and talk about suggestions. But, you know, just don't take it to heart, you know, because a lot of people do that. You know, if, oh, if I did it, you can do it. Not necessarily. And also remember that some may, um, you know, disregard on how hard it is, you know, how painful it is. Um, you know, how lonely it is, you know, and how much it has hurt you and affected you. They may suggest different ways to overcome it and uh, sound as they come off, you know, like it's a simple thing to overcome. But also remember, they don't mean any harm or purposely are trying to dismay the severity of anhedonia. It's only because of their lack of knowledge and about anhedonia. So, you know, don't attack them when, you know, even if they are offending you. Just, you know, know what they're offering and take it to heart and just use it for what it's worth. So anyways, to conclude, at first I would suggest to do a lot more listening and reading about symptoms and how to overcome anhedonia on YouTube, online, or in podcasts. There was a lot online that you can read uh, and listen to, um, but education is going to be your biggest offense. And um, But many... You know, uh, most importantly, speak to your mental health counselor or professional. They can help diagnose you properly and also help determine the level of severity that you have and if you'd be better off, um, you know, w with certain kind of therapies. You know, they may tell you to do what I'm telling you to do, um, but I'm not a mental health professional, so you always want to go to your mental health professional and get the actual advice they give you and use mine as a suggestion and definitely not as a replacement. But what I would personally suggest is remember the mind is a powerful thing and there's so much we don't know about and never will know about it. You know that the brain operates, I mean on how the brain operates, but it's been proven about mind over matter. We can, um, we can adjust our own cause and effect on so many levels. You know, some can be, um, how do you say it? Um, some people can be motivated and pumped by some whisper in your ear and shrugging your shoulders saying, hey, you got this champ. You know, just like when, when a fighter goes up there, they have their um, the manager, whoever it is, you know, rubbing their shoulders saying, come on, come on, champ, you got this, you got this, you know you can do this, rubbing their shoulders and shrugging them. And, you know, believe it or not, that raises, you know, a lot of, you know, different chemicals in our body and, you know, it it, it does, but by somebody cheering you on and motivating you can, you know, help you. But you're the one who ultimately has to do this. You have to just say, fuck it, I'm going to do this and do it. Nobody can get you up off your ass and do it. Um, or I should say most people don't have somebody that can do that. So you got to be your own motivator and really, really do it. You know, if you have somebody that can help motivate you, that's great. But, like I said, ultimately, you're the one who has to do it. And if you have somebody motivating you, take their words to heart and, you know, let them help you. 
you know, by realizing that we hold more power than we realize, we can set our own mood by our own thoughts. We've all done it to an extent. But it's harder and much, much harder to bring your mind to ground level when you know you're 50 feet below ground level. That's when you and nobody can say anything that can be more powerful than you saying, fuck this. Throw the covers off, get out of bed, take a shower, wash off all the negative, get dressed, and do one of the activities that I suggested. There is not one person, no drug, no therapy, no technique that will help you take that first step. What I would suggest is I've always been um, a person who believes that the mind is more powerful than anything. And there's nothing more powerful and nothing more important than step one. And that step one is to say, fuck it. Throw those covers off. Take a shower. Get dressed. Pick an activity and just do it. You gotta do it. You, you can't sit there and think about it and think, oh, can I do this? Am I gonna do it? No. The more procrast- you procrastinate, the more you're gonna bring yourself down. You're gonna keep digging your hole deeper and deeper and deeper. You just gotta say, fuck it and start with step one. Just as any physical activity or even... Even when it comes to with a motor, transmission, a car, anything, it takes more energy, more power, more horsepower, more gas, more energy, anything to start off. When you first start off, it takes more. But as you get that, the, 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 um, uh, the momentum going, it's a lot easier. It's just to get that momentum going. And it takes you to take that first step to get that momentum going. So, to end this, like I said, talk to your mental health professional. Even if you feel um, that you got you got a handle on this, and what I'm saying is um, pretty much all you need, and what you listen to online is all you need, no. Talk to a professional and discuss everything. Then educate yourself afterwards. You must absolutely need to talk to a mental health professional. Anadonia is nothing to play around with and it's not something simple and it's something that can hurt and even set some people off into suicidal ideations. So talk to a mental health professional but then educate yourself. The more education you can provide for yourself, I'm telling you, it's, it's a tool. It's a powerful tool. Um, and that power can give you the ability to overcome anadonia now and forever. So that being said, I hope I've given you some education on anhedonia and let you know what it's like and how to overcome it. But just remember, this is all about people with BPD. And just remember, if you know or love somebody that has BPD, love them and understand them as much as you can because they find it so hard to love and understand themselves. So with that being said, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.